0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a
1: verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 90th program in this series. In this program, I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and in the previous message, I was in verses 4 through 6. In verses 4 through 6, Jesus is continuing his conversation with the disciples. He started this conversation at the end of the Last Supper. They are presently walking to the garden where Jesus is going to be arrested. And Jesus is repeating the things that he told them before they left and went for this walk. In this repetition, Jesus does provide some additional comments concerning the things that he said. And so he is providing some more information. In this sense, he's teaching his disciples in layers by increasing a little bit at a time. In verse four, Jesus said, But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And I was speaking about this in the previous message, the idea that sorrow has filled your heart, I'm going away. But then in verse 7, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And then he gives the truth that he's about to tell them. But before I go there, I'd like to say a little bit about this word, nevertheless, When Jesus says at the beginning of verse 7, nevertheless, this is a way of saying that regardless of what he said before, this is what's really going to matter. He is about to say that which is of the greater importance. It's not to say that what he said before was totally irrelevant. He does acknowledge their feelings. He does acknowledge their concerns. He recognizes that they feel bad, that they feel sorrowful, that they feel very uncertain about where he is going, even though he's been very direct about explaining to them where he's going and what he's doing. But he says, nevertheless, to say that regardless of these concerns you have, regardless of how you feel, even though how you feel is important, this is how you feel. This is what you think. This is what you understand or the lack thereof. But in the midst of your uncertainty and your sorrow, you need to know and you need to have confidence that Jesus knows exactly what he is doing, that he is going to continue and he is going to fulfill what he came to fulfill. He is going to accomplish what he came to accomplish Regardless of their feelings, regardless of what they know or what they don't know or what they believe or what they don't believe, all of those things do have their importance. But regardless of that, Jesus is going to do what he said he's going to do. He is not making his actions conditional upon their belief or whether they are sorrowful or not. What he is going to do is not conditional on these things. So, continuing into verse 7, we will see what is it that Jesus says is of greater importance than the things that he has said and acknowledged previously. Continuing in verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so regardless of what they believe or what they don't believe, or how they feel or how they don't feel, Jesus tells them, this is the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So if you don't understand why this is to your advantage, Or if you don't believe that this is to your advantage, it still is, regardless of whether or not you believe it, know it, trust in it, approve of it. These things are of no importance. I tell you the truth. This is the truth. This is for your advantage. And he explains why. Because when he resurrects from the dead, he will send the Holy Spirit to them If he doesn't do this, then the Holy Spirit will not come to them. This is a way of understanding many things. One of the things that we should acknowledge is that the Holy Spirit would not dwell within a person before Jesus did this, before he accomplished this. The Holy Spirit would come upon a person. We have lots of descriptions in history regarding that. But this is different. There is a difference here. This is going to be a new thing, that the Spirit of God is going to dwell within a person, and it is to our advantage. This is the invocation of the new covenant, and this is the purpose of the new covenant. This is the reason why he is going to die for the sins of the world. He is going to die for the sins of the world, so that when the Holy Spirit dwells within them they will not be able to commit any sin that will cause the holy spirit to leave them that is the purpose of forgiveness the forgiveness of sins it is so that when a person surrenders to the new covenant and is the recipient of the holy spirit to dwell within them they will be resurrected from the dead spiritually and they will never die They will be made alive permanently, and this life will carry them on into eternity even after they physically die so that they may dwell in the place of the living with the living God in the kingdom of heaven. This is the advantage. This is why Jesus is going to go away and why he's going to accomplish what he came to accomplish. Again, in verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, this is not the first time that he mentioned the Holy Spirit in this way, in this conversation. This is repetition of what he said previously. John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. He will abide with you forever. Why? Why will he be able to abide with you forever? It's because of forgiveness. It's because of the crucifixion. It's because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. That is why the helper... The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, that is why He will abide with you forever. Without that, He would not abide with you forever. Continuing into John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus told them this earlier, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Spirit of God is going to remind them of what He told them previously, and we have a lot of what He told them documented in the Gospels so that we, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, can benefit from what Jesus told the disciples. So we will not remember what Jesus told them in the sense we will discover and we will learn what Jesus told them, but we get to be the beneficiaries of what Jesus said. And in addition to that, in verse 26, Jesus says that the Spirit will teach you all things. So for the disciples, they could certainly remember what Jesus said. We can benefit today from what Jesus told them because of what they recorded for us to be able to read and study today. But in addition to that, the Spirit will teach them all things. That is the means by which God will teach the disciples. And that is the means by which God will teach us all things. There will be no shortage of things whatsoever. It will be everything. So we can start with what we have recorded in the scriptures. We can start with that. And it's important for us to do that and to become very familiar with all that Jesus has said and to understand what he said, especially in the context of the old covenant versus the new covenant. You must understand the differences between the two in order to really understand what Jesus is communicating when he communicated what he taught. But in addition to that, the Spirit of God is going to be within us to teach us all things, and that is because we have a person who dwells within us personally, individually, who will interact with us, who will communicate with us, who will reveal to us the truth, who will teach us all things. Now, of course, as I explained previously... It's very important for us to believe what he does teach and to believe these things and understand these things in order because there are a lot of things that our God could teach us that he can reveal to us, but it will require us to understand and believe other things first. And I explained this in the previous message. And so that's John chapter 14 verse 26. Jesus also said this in John chapter 15, verse 26. In John chapter 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. What he says is that the Spirit of God will proclaim the Lord Jesus so that you may know Jesus. You will know him in the greater context. You will know him in the context of the new covenant, which is different from the context of the old covenant. You can certainly know him in the context of the old covenant, but to know him in the context of the new covenant is to know him more. And so the Spirit of God will be present in order to reveal to us more, about what our God accomplished when he manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus. There is more that he will be able to reveal to us individually as we are willing to accept, acknowledge, believe, and trust, and rely on what it is that he has showed us previously. Then there can be more things that he can show us. And this is an individual experience of growth in Christ Jesus. So Jesus has said this four times already in this conversation. The importance of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, who will dwell within you. And he is about to say it again. If you look forward into John chapter 16 verses 12 through 14, Jesus is about to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Repetition from chapter 14, verse 26, but continuing in John chapter 16, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you and i will speak about this in the next program some of these additional details about what the role of the spirit of god will be in our lives what the role of the holy spirit will be in our lives individually as he relates to us jesus provides additional details in this layered approach In this conversation that he's having with his disciples, he tells them a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. But he is repeating the importance of the Holy Spirit many times. This is six times that Jesus mentions this in this conversation, six times. There is nothing else that he has repeated more times than this, than the importance of the giving of the Holy Spirit Because that is of the greatest importance. Without us being made alive, we are not going to be saved. Salvation is the resurrection. It is being made alive. It is being made into a child of God, a new creation, through the indwelling presence of the life of God, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now, continuing into verse 8, Jesus describes some of the things that the Holy Spirit will do. Starting in verse 8, Jesus said, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged now throughout the history of the christian world most people have suggested that the purpose of the holy spirit in your life is to convict you of sin that this is what he's there for he's there in order to tell you that you are engaged in sin and there is an abundance of different ways that people have accomplished this In the overwhelming majority of the sermons that have been presented regarding the Christian faith, that this is the relationship between you and God, that he convicts you of sin, that he tells you about your sin, he gives you that opportunity to make a correction. But if you don't do it, well, then he is there in order to make sure that you understand that he doesn't like you, that he rejects you that he has turned his back away from you. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, apparently, in the Christian's life. This is what people have taught ever since the beginning of the church, and it will continue to be the most predominant message in the Christian world until the Lord Jesus returns. I have no doubt about this whatsoever. And there are a lot of reasons for this, Most of them, of course, are well-intentioned, that this is just what people really believe. And I, of course, could spend a lot of time talking about this and comparing what I believe with these kinds of beliefs and explain that I just don't agree with this perspective that people have. But this is not what I'm going to do in this program. You will find a lot of examples of this littered throughout the programs that I have recorded, I don't feel it's important for me to devote a specific series of programs just for this task, especially because what I believe can be described easily. I believe that when Jesus died for our sins, he died for our sins, that the sin issue came to an end. And so when we are resurrected from the dead and made into a new person, into a new creation, then the purpose of forgiveness is fulfilled. That was the reason for forgiveness, so that we can be made into a new creation in Christ Jesus, so that we can be made into a child of God. After that, there's no reason for us to be convicted, per se, of our sins. Now, having said that, I'm not saying that our God won't speak to us about our sins, because, of course, he speaks to me about my sins all the time. This is a conversation that comes up now and then between my God and I. And so I certainly cannot testify of something that would be contrary to that. But the conversations that I have with my God about my sin are not about conviction. Will I be convicted or not? It's about recognizing the way things are. It's about recognizing the life that I have, the struggles that I have, and to relate with my God on the basis of sober-minded reality, that he and I don't live in denial about the struggles that I have. In fact, in many cases, the Lord will teach me many things through the struggles and the sins that I have in my life. And these are things that I need to know, that I need to understand, that I need to grow in. And so he does make use of the sins that I have without giving me some sense of conviction but that we can relate to each other with an acknowledgement that this is the way things are, that this is the reality of my life and that there are things that the Lord can show me about himself and about myself when it comes to the subject of sin, but not for the purpose of conviction, but for the purpose of revelation, for the purpose of discipleship, for the purpose of growth. And there are some sinful things about who I once was that don't seem to be present right now. And so I can acknowledge that some of these things can be overcome, but that is not my objective. And I don't see that as being the objective of God. From what I can see, the objective of God is that I may know who he is. And while I am here in the flesh, this is one of the ways that he has been able to show me a lot about who he is. And so I personally don't see that the role of the Holy Spirit in my life has to do with conviction. It has more to do with instruction and guidance and revelation. In verse 8, Jesus said that he will convict the world of sin. When he says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, then what I hear him saying is that the Holy Spirit will convict the unbelievers of sin, those who have not surrendered to the new covenant, those who are lost, those who do not have salvation, that the Holy Spirit of God is going to have this role in people's lives who reject God. That's what I see him saying in verse 8. So while I understand that a lot of people will say that this applies to the Christian, I don't see that here. If someone would like to believe that, I would just encourage them to look somewhere else. Find another verse, not this one. This one is addressed to the world in the sense of the unbelievers, that they may be convicted of their sin. And why would they need to be convicted of their sin? So that they can acknowledge forgiveness, so that they can recognize forgiveness, so that they can appreciate forgiveness, so that in their own hearts, they can receive the forgiveness that God has already given to them. The forgiveness is of no real use, of no function, if a person won't even acknowledge that they have a need for forgiveness. And in order to acknowledge that, they have to recognize that they have sin that needs to be forgiven. Now, I understand that we all have lots of people in our lives who will tell us that we have sin. But according to verse 8, John chapter 16, verse 8, even God is going to be involved in people's lives and bring conviction to them about the fact that they have sin. But if you continue into verse 9, Jesus says specifically what sin he is referring to. In verse 9, of sin, Because they do not believe in me. So while we can come up with a whole list of all the sins that a person has, all the sins that a person struggles with and deals with that could be used in order to say that they are not a good person, what Jesus says is that the real sin that is of interest to God is the sin of unbelief. Unbelief in Jesus not believing Jesus is the sin. Not believing in Him as the Messiah, as the one who would give to us the Holy Spirit through what He accomplished in His death and resurrection. Not believing in Him is the sin of interest. Another way to say this, or to consider this, is to recognize That God has forgiven all of the sins of the world except for one, and that is the sin of the rejection of Jesus as their Messiah. In this sense, that is one that will not be forgiven, at least in the context of whether or not a person is going to be saved. And I'll explain this more in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 90th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 16, verses 7 through 9, where Jesus was repeating again to his disciples the importance of the Holy Spirit, that it is to their advantage that he is going to go away, because if he doesn't, then the Holy Spirit is not going to come to dwell within them. But because he is going away, This is the reason why he's going away, so that the Holy Spirit can come to them and dwell within them, resurrecting them from the dead, which is salvation. Now, in verse 8, Jesus adds to what he described before. This is repetition of what he has said before. But this time in verse 8, he adds some more information. He adds the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to participate in the world that the Holy Spirit will interact with those people who don't believe in Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction to the hearts of the people who don't believe in Jesus, who reject Jesus, that they will be convicted about this because the Spirit of God will testify within the hearts of the people who reject Jesus. The Holy Spirit will testify to them and speak to them about the fact that they are believing something that isn't true. So in addition to participating in the lives of the disciples, the Holy Spirit will also participate in the lives of the unbelievers. And I will explain this more in the next program.